Hello, listeners. Welcome to the segment of Mysteries Unknown podcast, Behind the Mist. I am Hunter the MC, as you all may know. And today, we are doing a City of Mist roundtable, as I like to call it. So I got two special guests with me today. First off, the MC for the Mysteries Unknown podcast. Not, I can really mess that up. For the Here's What You Missed podcast. Hi, I'm Way. And also, That's my name, it's Way. <laughs> nice. And also, the MC for the Second Shot City podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Adam Yee. Um, sometimes I go by MC Adam Yee, and uh, glad to be on the show. All right. So this is just us talking about City of Mist, what we enjoy about it, what how we like to run and all that. But let's get a little bit of an inside scoop on these popular MCs. So we'll start with Way. Give us kind of just a little background about you and your TTRPG history. My TTRPG history. Okay. Um, I have thought TTRPGs could be really good for a long time. I think my first contact with TTRPGs uh, was Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition when I was in middle school. Uh, I played a little bit with my siblings, but I thought it was a little hard, um, and I didn't like it that much. Continued playing some D&D through high school and college, but also didn't really find it that cool, didn't find it that good. Then I realized there's a bunch of uh, other RPGs out there. A lot of really cool stuff out there. And... Um, let's see... I guess... Yeah. Oh, actually, Adam was the one who um, introduced me to City of Mist. Oh, yeah. That was pretty sweet. Adam was the person who taught me about City of Mist as a system. But now, nowadays, I'm totally off of D&D. D&D sucks. Uh, don't play D&D. There's so many other good role-playing games out there. Uh, I really like The Quiet Year. I really like Mothership. I really like City of Mist. Um, yeah, dude, there's so much good stuff. That's what I really like about, uh, about RPGs. All right. Adam Yee, it's your turn now. What is that inside scoop in TTRPG history that you get to share? Great. So uh, I got really into World of Warcraft. I know it's not a TTRPG, but um, when I was in high school, I, I actually begged, convinced my parents to pay $15 a month for that game. So I really loved the game. Uh, I even bought kind of the, the TTRPG book, which was based off a uh, 3.5 edition. Read it, never played it with my friends. Um, but then uh, a high school friend's brother uh, DM'd our first game of uh, 3.5, and I said, can I be this? Can I be that? You know, just like any new player. Um, and uh, he let me, which was really great. And um, I, I remember I was like, essentially a, a Taran, I want to be a Taran shaman, which is was translate towards Minotaur cleric, in a sense. Um, and I, I had a blast. Um, but after that, I didn't really play it until... Whew, um, I think in Phoenix, when I lived in Phoenix right after college, uh, I met someone who was really into D&D and then um, played a little bit with him. Uh, but it didn't start ramping up until essentially the pandemic where, um, uh, you know, basically we had nothing to do. And, uh, and I try to find things to, at least some type of hobby. Some people tried bread making, some people tried... 
um, I don't know, playing a bunch of video games or drinking a bottle of wine every night. And so I decided to try tabletops. And what I did was some, God, I was living in Austin, Texas at the time. And what I actually did was contact all of my friend groups from the various states I lived in at the time uh, and set up groups. And at that general time frame, which felt like it, time slowed down, I got into and I saw City of Mist on Facebook. They were doing like some type of sale. I thought the art was super cool. So I clicked it. I looked into it. Uh, and then I don't think I could afford the book at that time. So I, I just ran the one shots with a couple of my friends and went from there. So uh, at the time, I was playing both D&D 5e and um, City of Mist as both a player and a DM or MC. And eventually, when I moved to Boston, uh, it was still a pandemic. Way actually, here's a here's a really funny cross cross connection story. Way was trying to recruit people for a D and D group five e at the, and um, he got a good group of players. Uh, actually, funny enough, in our podcast, Kelly and Nick um, were from that original D and D group. And um, once the pandemic was over, I was looking for people to collaborate on some projects with. And, um, you know, I, I looked at a couple of key people and I was like, oh, who's someone who could probably rein in a story and rein in some rule setting? And I decided to choose Way as someone who would uh, tackle this on. And um, that's kind of where I introduced him to City of Mist. And uh, I've just been continuing playing that. Uh, recently, though, I've been exploring a lot of different um, RPGs. And, yeah, same and, here, dude. Yeah, definitely. That's what I'm saying. There's so much good stuff out there. Yeah, so uh, I just moved back to California. I recently joined uh, essentially a group that tests out RPGs. So last week, for example, we played um, Scum and Villainy, which is uh, Blades in the Dark space-themed. Dude, um, Blades in the Dark thing. is really good. I had it a campaign of that going for like a year. Yeah, Yeah. so Blades, uh, in, the Blades in the Dark is really super good. good. Oh, for sure. Funny enough, it came out the same time as City of Mist, so that also tells you the kind of the parallels. Um, mm -hmm. And... Yeah. We're probably going to try Avatar, The Last Airbender, pretty soon, but uh, I'm also going to be running City of Mist because none of them have seen that either. So, yeah, good nice. time to explore um, new games. Oh, yeah, honestly. I was the one who ran Blades in the Dark for you, Adam. Correct. I had to ask <laughs> you to... Yeah, because I was doing kind of the same thing in Boston. I was trying to get people yeah. more involved in different uh, tabletops, and uh, I asked right. Way to do it because, uh, to be fair, I couldn't... My brain can't process um, books for some reason, as as all, both of you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's my experience. Oh, uh, have you heard of Sign, by the way? Sign is really good. Is it? I'd recommend checking out Sign by Thorny Sign? Games. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sign. It's based on um, a real event that happened in Nicaragua mm -hmm. in the 1970s, where the government started gathering deaf children to try to teach them how to read lips. But that completely failed, and what happened instead was all of the children just invented their own sign language together. And it was super cool because linguists were flying in from all over the world to study this. Because it was an example of a language being born in real time. And so in the game, in the RPG sign, you're playing as like a deaf Nicaraguan child and creating a sign language with people. Really I'm, I'm literally looking at this up right now as we're talking about because it sounds yeah. interesting and it's like Dude, a RPG. Thorny Games is so cool. They they have two yeah. other games. Another game they they have is called Dialect, 
which is all about like creating a language together as a role-playing game. And then the new one is called Xeno Language, which is like about trying to decipher an alien language and you have a Ouija board, I think, or something. So cool. An amazing yeah. publisher. There are a vast amount of tabletop RPG games that are essentially severely underrated. Um, yeah. Tabletop they're... RPG games, tabletop yeah. RP tabletop role playing game games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um and uh you can find them anywhere. Um the it seems like there's there's a thinning of the herd in a sense as you progress up to the more popular games. Um and uh they can in any sort of topic ever, you can find something that interests you. What What do you think is your favorite system? Because um, you, you played a lot, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, not as much as people think. Um, uh, Power by Apocalypse does the job. I, I yeah. think so. For me, I, I really like rules light systems. Um, you know, to be fair, Grant Howitt games are really good. As long as you can tell a collaborative story with people. Um, for me, yeah. what if the rules require more friction it generally turns me off just as a player or or someone who controls the game it's not it's something i just don't enjoy and you know some people love that stuff like yeah um, people especially people who are like transitioning from dnd to pathfinder like people love that type of uh min maxing or or character pathway or even yeah. world building pathways um but for me uh, for, uh it has to be collaborative effort between players and the less friction the better okay so yeah. you so you mentioned rules light, Adam, and that made uh -huh. me think of. So I listened to another podcast. They're called Cantrips and Coffee, and all they do mm -hmm. is they're just running podcasts or talking about them while drinking coffee. And they did one back during the holidays called Any, and I'm holding this book up right now. This is the actual physical copy of the book, and literally, it's just uh, it's very rules light. It's like it's got this nice artwork in it, but literally, it's just like a couple pages of rules, and it's basically it's a you use like six different dice for your roles and basically it's all like story driven role play driven. So, and I got, and I actually won this from a drawing they did for it. So I, that's going to be a game I'm interested to run because it's very more story focused. So definitely nice. All right. And I'll just kind of say a little bit about myself since we're talking about it. So I, okay. So I, my introduction to TTRPGs was, so I knew of Dungeons and Dragons, but I never played it. So I didn't really get into the TTRPG world until like like right when the pandemic hit. And what happened was, so there's another podcast out there, and I praise this one so much because it's what got me to start doing this for myself. It's called Rolling in the Mist, done by the Loot crew. The MC is Kevin Carpenter, and he's the lost off of Son, of Son of Oak Studios talking about City of Mist as well. And so I started listening to that podcast because they started following me on Instagram one day. And that got me to start looking into City of Mist, the game. And I read the rules for a while because I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And then, it, and then it was it was only like a couple years ago I started running games. I did one uh, homebrew horror campaign of City of Mist before I did this podcast. And then I was watching other TTRPGs get played. And I was inspired by them to go ahead and start my own show. And so I've been doing. I haven't done a actual full on like seasonal campaign like you guys have done. I've mostly been doing like couple cases here and there my thing now is i've been taking D, D podcast groups and teaching them city of mist and seeing how they play and how that goes is hysterical sometimes just the stuff that happens when we get to this group this group but i'm also looking into playing other games like i'm working on a uh, 
a Bioshock themed Call of Cthulhu game currently at mm. the moment. And I got a group nice. I'm going to do with that. Um, what else was I doing? I got several City Mist homebrews that are in the work. Uh, what was another one? Um, I'm looking into Pathfinder now with everything that's been going on with D&D and all that. I've been reading Pathfinder. I like I, I already talked about any. Um, oh, another podcast I listened to. Uh, they did a Legend of the Five Rings campaign. And that inspired me to pick up that book. And I'm going to start doing a campaign around that as well. And then the final one is I kickstarted a project called Realms of El Groon. And they're a simplified D20-based uh, TTRPG. So I've been, look, I've been supporting them, promoting them, helping them with that. And I'm going to eventually run a campaign using that system as well. So that's basically kind of my inside history with TTRPGs. Nice, man. Sounds like you're running a lot of games. Yeah, so you got a lot on your plate. Yeah, I'm trying to... The one thing I definitely had to learn when I started, because I've only been doing this for not even a full year yet, and my thing is I'm trying not to put too much on myself, so I'm spacing things out, planning stuff ahead of time. Like, I'm currently just doing, like, one one-shot a month currently, but I'm mm. active enough within, like, the TTRPG community that it's like I'm not just fading away and no one's forgetting about me, in a sense. Yeah, so, that's pretty cool. But yeah, since, nice. since we're on how, this topic now with... Camp, what? I'm sorry? I'm just curious how many listeners you get on your podcast. Um, I So I actually just updated all my stuff. I was only keeping it on like four main platforms, but with the service I used, I could have been doing so much more, so I just threw it all out there now. So I'm getting... I'm slowly getting more like increase in numbers. Nice. Like on a good day, maybe somewhere between 60 to 100, just depending on the time of day. Of my nice listeners, days. but I mean, I'm not. I'm not doing this for the numbers. I do it because I enjoy it, and I like just want. If people want to hear my stories, they can listen to them. I do it more. Yeah, for that's definitely people. the best way to do it. I was just curious. Yeah. It's like I. I prefer quality over quantity. I'd rather have like. I'd rather have like. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'd rather have supporters that are like they're going to be that I know will listen to like every one of my episodes than just like a couple people that are just going to come by and listen to like one or two episodes. If that mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but that's how I kind of think about it in a sense. Yeah, definitely. So, anyways, Good. back to my topic of what I was talking about with campaigns. So, way your guy, you guys just started your fifth season of Here's What You Missed, and yes. it is already becoming a doozy from what I've been listening <laughs> to. So, that's right. That's right. All right. So, how many players do you currently have in your group? Six. Six. And y'all use the Foundry virtual tabletop system, right? Yep. We play on Foundry. It's really nice. So just give us kind of like an insight of like that experience. How has it been for you running five seasons of this campaign y'all have been doing? <laughs> uh, how's it been for me? It's been absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's been just phenomenal. I don't have enough good stuff to say about it. Uh, or I... <sighs> I, I kind of put that poorly, huh? Oh, that's um, pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty happy enough, about what you said. <laughs> there's not enough positive... I, c- I can't communicate how great it has been. Um, because I think everybody is really on the same page as to what we want the game to be. And I think that's the most important ingredient. Uh, also, like all these people are really, really close friends of mine who I've known for years, and so we have that natural chemistry. You know, it's really feels like we just get each other 
um, have a shared sense of humor, have shared experiences we can draw on. Um, so it's been absolutely phenomenal. I've been really, really loving it. Uh, what it feels like is making a TV show with your friends, you know? Like if your closest friends just got together and were like, let's make the perfect TV show for us. That's what it kind of feels like. And just for my listeners, I want to be clear that I actually, these guys, I listen to their shows pretty regularly. So these aren't just guys that I've known. These aren't just guys I've just found out and brought on. These are guys I've been listening to play, listen to how the shows work and everything. So these are guys I actively listen to. So these are guys that I like when it comes to like peers, these are guys that I would look up to for certain things in my opinion. So You know what's really funny though is that you listened to Second Shot City and you didn't realize I was on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like... (laughs) That tells me a lot about podcasting as a as a way to absorb information, but um, yeah, I dude. thought that was hilarious. I mean, personally, I came into podcasting because I wanted to be rich and famous, and I wasn't even recognized when I was on the podcast you were listening to, when you were inviting me to be on your podcast. You still didn't recognize me. Spoiler: <laughs> Way uh, comes back in a future future season, but uh, I'll I'll say that for my talk. Anyways, yeah. And, and I said in my defense that when I was listening, to, I was listening to your guys' shows back to back with like several other podcasts. When I started listening to y'all shows, so I was binging y'all nonstop. So, so I remember the characters, but some of the people who played them, the names would just go right over my heads. Over my heads. So. Mm. I apologize, but that's my defense on that. One. <laughs> no so worries, no dude. I'm not. I'm not that, upset about so it at all. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> when I look at it, yeah, it's funny. Um, so, okay, Adam. So, as mm-hmm. for your second shot, city. So, if you encounter the Call of Cthulhu kind of prequel that y'all did as well, y'all have been going for six seasons now. What? Mm-hmm. How has that been for you? How's that been feeling running these? And you do it completely different than how most people run city miss games yeah completely also different. adds a very interesting kind of layer of interest to the game as well and the story thanks for the compliment uh, yeah. <laughs> uh no i uh, again thank and thanks for listening to it it really does mean a lot to hear um someone who listens i think that's uh it, it as as a creator and this is not my only podcast uh it always feels great when fans um say that you know, they listen to your work. I think it it really does tug on the heartstrings. Um, and so, yeah, all of my podcasts that I do in Second Touch City are live, and they're all theater of the mind. Um, there was one episode we used minifigures, and we kind of have a meta commentary on that. But um, uh, that uh, what can I say about it? Um, there are people that I've only met for about under a year. I've only lived in Boston for two years, and then I moved. Um, they've all been consistently weekly actually um, which i think has been one of the most amazing as you guys know it's so hard to get people on the same schedule dude as that's a miracle i know right they love the story and i think i think that's why i play it is because we have been building the story like yeah i do yeah i have a framework um but you know i don't know how you guys play but generally i'm building the plane as i fall down a cliff um and in general, like uh, it's just so much. A plane falling <laughs> out. Of yeah, um, we use that in the Stardust phase quite a lot. Um, so, in general, it's just been great, just building this very, very unique story. Um, you're right. We don't 
really play City of Mist, what we essentially do is strip down to the basic elements, which I think is the main, for me at least, is the main selling point for City of Mist, is the tag system. Um, and just kind of put it on there. Uh, we do take some of the setting and, you know, use some mythical elements, but in general, it's been shaping this story. And you know, this also gives the excuse then to branch out into other games like Call of Cthulhu, for instance. Uh, we're able to kind of tie up a lot of the origins um, throughout the whole, essentially, mm-hmm. series mythology. Um, it's been a very, very good experience for me as an audio engineer. I kind of do that a little bit on the side. Um, it allowed me to invest into new audio equipment. It allowed me to understand how voice changing works, understands how uh, inputting um, sound effects or music in it enhances a scene. Um, and I've had a lot of difficulty doing that, but it's been such an amazing technical journey, at least personally, working on this podcast. It's a really hard podcast to do. You have to deal with four or five audio channels, sometimes even six. You have to um, deal with basically licensed music, um, free sound effects, or even paid sound effects, and tie that and stitch it all out to make it sound good. And, and I'm not perfect. I think I've gotten a lot better since the first couple of episodes. Uh, but for me, it's been just an eye-opening technical journey. And, and the main reason why I do this, one, is I'm so glad that we were able to finish this um, story. We have all the episodes kind of archived on Backlog, and I've been working on them since... <laughs> <laughs> four months ago um and uh, but just in terms of the technical training that it's given me has made me a lot better at producing other podcasts yeah i know for me uh when i started like of course scheduling conflicts is always the enemy of any ttrpg related <laughs> event happening so i remember i would when i my, when i started running the demons across end case i was trying to be, I was trying to think weekly, that didn't work, so I, we did bi-weekly, and then we, I had three people, which for me, three is kind of my magic number when it comes to players sometimes. I can mm-hmm. do make a couple more, but usually three is like that magic number. Well, that well after the first session, the third person, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, was not able to continue anymore, so I was left with just the two people. But they were really fun about it and made for a great kind of character interaction with just these two characters because it kind of established like they had a relationship in the session zero before we started the case. Mm-hmm. And so, but I know for me, when it came to, because my, my thought process when I started was, oh, I'm going to be able to record like maybe every other week and then I'm going to spend like an entire week editing and getting this episode done and out there as quickly as i can and that did not happen because (laughs) life decided to rear its ugly head and kick me while i was down so yeah i guess for for context my i have a really popular podcast in in a certain field so let's just say that i've done that podcast for six years one episode per week and it's like 270 episodes so um i have a decent understanding of cadence um and, and diligence when it comes to creating these um, audio projects, uh, which I take a lot of pride of. Yeah, one thing I really started learning was I became a lot more relaxed when it came to like the audio editing. Like originally, mm. I was trying to edit out every single silent moment in the game. Oh, but then, yeah. but then I realized like every, like a couple seconds of silence isn't necessarily going to kill the audio. It's more like when you have that long drawn out when they're trying to decide what to do, and like at some and it was like. It wasn't even like silence where it was like stuff was happening. It's like just 
editing out like the empty space to where it looked nice on the screen. And I had to f- tell myself, it doesn't need to be, not everything has to be perfect. It doesn't need to be edited. Do your best, do what you can, get it out there. And if it sounds good, because I'll always re-listen to my audio. Like I'll go through it, do the whole editing process, re-listen to it. And then I'll do make another project. And I bought the uh, City of Mist soundtrack albums off their site. And I use that oh, nice. for the background music. And then I'll go back in, re-up, and add the music to the background. And I'll listen through a second or third time to the whole podcast all the way through to make sure it all sounds good before I put it out there. So that's kind of been my thing. So Nice, dude. From what I'm hearing, it sounds like both of you are way more diligent than I am. Well, (laughs) I just give it one pass and I'm like, all right, putting it out there. If I make a huge mistake, I'm never going to know about it. You also have six people, not counting your uh, seven if you count yourself, whose audio you also have to edit. So you do like almost three times the work that me and Adam probably would have to do. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I'm not so sure. That brings I feel up like my question. editing is extremely minimal. <laughs> it has gotten better because when I think about how you do it now compared to like how like your first season or like your second season was, you, everyone yeah. everyone has greatly improved in so in some form or another. Yeah, definitely. So, it's all about a, that experience, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just just a bunch. You just have to do it a lot. And that's basically all it is. Yeah, there's a really good quote I read from um, <clears throat> Chinese-American author Ted Chong uh, that goes like, it's not that experience is the best teacher, it's that experience is the only teacher. That's the only one you learn is through experience. And speaking of experience, this brings up something that I think is interesting is because most play people don't run tables with usually six people. Usually you get Mm -hmm. three, you get four, maybe even five, but usually six, some people consider overload. Was that your original intention to run with that many people or was that just where the cards were dealt? Dude, it's so funny because um, I the the person who made City of Mist, the designer, um, Amit Moshe, he lives in Boston and I've had meals with him a couple times and that was like the first thing he asked me I was like, how is it running the game with six people? Is it, does it still hold up? Is it okay? And I'm like, yeah, it's great. Uh, what I went what I did was, it wasn't necessarily my plan to run for that many people, but I just went around to my best friends and I was like, hey, you guys want to join my game? And they all said yes. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool let's do it. I'm gonna run for y'all so this seems like a great number to me. Um, I wasn't really that afraid because it seemed like... Because I was confident that everybody was going to be great. <laughs> everybody was going to be really, really good. Um, and everyone has been really good from what I've been listening to. It's like, so I cause... I don't know if you knew this, Adam, but every now and then I'm given the privilege to sit in on Way's uh, sessions. And the last one I sat in was really fun. I was also like four drinks buzzed in. So that made mm. for interesting conversations as well. So it's funny when like the, when the recording stops and we're all just kind of chill, kicking back and just chilling around. I'm everyone's talking to me and I'm talking to them. And then I get cursed out because I, I, my unpreparedness sounds like preparedness. <laughs> Bye. <I think> <laughs> I think it was I mean, Noah that did that, which was really was, funny. There though. was no expectation for you to have any kind of preparations. <laughs> so, like, but, I didn't even get what you were talking about. What did you mean when you said you were unprepared? No. Oh, so I was talking about like how I prepare for my games when it comes to my one shots for like the D and D people. Was I have how I wanted to start it off, 
and I have the rough ending. But I don't really set anything else in between in stone because I expect the chaos to happen at some point. I expect the campaign or the case to derail. So I got through. So I got like three or four different ways to prepare for any single situation at any point. So I was basically explaining like nothing is set in stone. So basically, I've got in my set. I say I'm not fully prepared because I got so many different ways I could do it. And then he's like, "Dude, that sounds like being prepared." He's like, "F you," kind of deal. But of course, he was being just facetious and funny about it. So I wasn't didn't hold the two thing, but it was just hysterical. Hmm. So it's like, so that's actually a good topic we could go to. How do you guys usually prepare for your games, Adam? Yeah, um, so I generally write a, a skeletal framework about, um, actually, funny enough, we just did a game, uh, me and Hunter, uh, what, two hours ago? Yeah. And I posted my, so right now I'm, I'm testing this new thing where I'm basically, I've seen barely any games on the official City of Mist uh, Discord, so I've been offering up just doing one-shots um, to MCs who haven't been players, essentially. Um, this helps me learn the game a bit. It helps me. Um, it also helps me just work with different people. And um, I do post my uh, MC notes. Uh, I've done it for the past couple of sessions. And um, in general, I do write a lot. Uh, there's there's a common kind of pathway I expect it to go, but if it doesn't go, it's not a big deal. Uh, I think in City of Mist philosophy, it is it is decently prep heavy, where you have to develop an iceberg of sorts and um, go through that. But it, what I do is essentially frame how do people get into the mystery? Um, what are the pathways to gather the clues? How are they going to enter kind of this danger spot, so to say, or, or various danger spots? And then how do they um, either... How do they solve the problem, which would be either maybe defeat a big bad or acquire an item or something like that. And so I just kind of bring that framework in, build it out, and then kind of let the players um, design it. I think once you do a lot of DMing or MCing, you generally find ways to um, bring your ideas to life. And there there are many, many tactics to do so. Um, Or in some cases, even have the players build it out too. Um, It really does, you really do have to suss out the players you're working with and see what they like, for instance, and what makes them feel empowered, um, even on a one-shot. Yeah, so, yeah. So that was it. So the game that NME ran that I got to be a part of was my first ever time I got to actually play in the City of Mist game. Because my original idea was I... When I got into City Mist, I wanted to be just a player. No one was running the games. So I said, okay, I'll Thanos it and do it myself then. So, and that was what led to the horror campaign that I did for my very first uh, City of Mist as MC. And I've just kind of been that way ever since. And it was definitely because I know Adam Yee had to get onto me so many times. And I felt <laughs> bad, so bad because there was like, I could either know something was about to happen or I had these, I was like planning three steps ahead because my MC mind is still kicking in even when I'm playing. So I had to, so basically I was like, I had to kind of get force myself to like wind it back, let everyone else do their thing. And then when I get the chance, let's see what happens kind of deal. So it's, so going from being an MC, so being an MC to being a player is so completely different when it comes to the playing field of sitting a mist. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
It's uh, I mean, it's tough. And and MCs, your your uh, brain goes a, m- a mile a minute essentially. So, uh, you know, I I, I do believe one of the strongest skill sets <laughs> for for any uh, DM or MC is actually you know for lack for something cliche, empathy um, to players because if you don't understand what your players want, you generally don't know what your players want. So it's really hard for it to be conveyed through the players um, and sometimes you just have to suss it out it just takes a lot of experience to do so um, sometimes i get it wrong too a lot but um I, I think in general um just working with different people you just figure out okay this person actually likes to do this more this person needs a shot at this and so giving them the proper time and commitment is is a treasure onto them so to say it, it, it matters a lot for me at least to have the players have a good time when they run the sessions and um, sometimes that can be difficult. Yeah. And my character, how I imagined him and then how I played him was so different. So the character mm-hmm. I played was a high school student with the mythos of Joseph from the Bible. So coat of many colors and all that. And my thought was, oh, he's this humble guy, but he's just super smart. Well, I ended up playing him as, oh, he's so smart. He's got this ego now on him that he thinks he's so much smarter than anyone else. And that actually played like a part in the game at some point. There was a little scene that happened there when there was like a plan session, plan section. So it's just like you expect things to go one way and then they'll go completely different another. So it's always mm-hmm. just interesting. Yeah, oh, dude. Yeah. The way I prepped initially was I was like, okay, I'm kind of busy. Um, I'm just going to run stuff out of the book, right? So I got uh, one of the, the campaign book, Knights of Pain Town, and I started running it. And then end of season one, I'm like, okay, we're way off book. We're way off book. What do I do to get this back, right? And then end of season two, stuff happened, and I was like, okay, I'm going to toss the book out now. The book is now completely irrelevant. We are so far away from the material in the book that we're just going to start doing everything from scratch now. You know? Um, What I found for myself in terms of preparation is that it's really nice to do prep with my players that's what i really enjoy doing um i was inspired by the writer of the tv series deadwood uh he's a guy called david milch and i was listening to david milch talk about his writing process and he said he never writes alone he always writes with at least one or two people in the room with him sometimes there'll be like 10 people in the room with him while he's writing and they'll just be actively giving him feedback and i found that's been really helpful for me um if like i'm doing it with my friends if it's a more social activity it's a lot easier yeah so the prep that i kind of do before like any of my cases or the one shots for i start is i always do a session zero no matter what and this is too more like if i have to explain some things usually the character the players will have their characters already picked out and kind of fleshed out before session zero and this would be more like okay here's what's going to happen do you all have any questions? What do we need to talk about? Here's what's going to possibly happen in the game. How do you, y'all will have to either plan for this ahead of time or something like for this next one shot I plan to do in February. There's going to be the party has, the party has to break into a police station. So that is going to be kind of the high setting rules a little bit. And they're going to have to prep that one in advance. And then I have to make sure I come up with all the different things that could possibly go wrong. So that's kind of been my thing. But the majority of what I do is, like, I don't write stuff down. My thing, so I usually am good with imagination stuff because I don't mind sharing this at all. I have autism, so I'm more of a visual thinker. 
And a lot of the stuff is up here in the mind. I don't have to write it down. It all just comes to mind how I, how I see the story, what's going to happen, what's the dangers. So it just comes to mind usually. Like my uh, Thanksgiving one-shot, I think, was one of my perfect examples of that for how I was able to run a one-shot. Because I basically took inspiration from the B-horror movie things killing and basically added like clue movie aspects to it. So it became like a big murder mystery deal. <sighs> yeah, I think different, you know, different people process information differently. I think that's the beauty of the human mind. Um, and, you know, I think examples, that's why I have books essentially, <laughs> are great. And describing those examples, how to prep and create is always nice to hear how different people do things. Yeah, I got a few podcasts I listen to that talk about just tips and tricks for how to be a better like game master type deal. So, I, and I take advice from those, even if it's not about the game I'm learning. I like you can still take aspects from it. <laughs> okay, so I was supposed to have a list of questions prepared, but I completely dropped the ball on that one. So I'm shooting the breeze right now as we're going along. <laughs> hmm. So, what has been your favorite thing about? Running City of Mist. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll take it. Um, I'll take the ball on this one for now. Um, I, I think player creativity is is really good. I think in general, people are really used to mainstream D and D, where it's essentially you have you know I hit things, I do damage, I miss, um, I shoot spells. So uh, you'll have a certain type of player who just wants to do that. That's perfectly fine. Um, I think with Powered by the Apocalypse systems, in generally, they describe it as fiction first, um, but basically your your actions have intent, and you you're, you as a player and as an MC, in a sense, are forced to be more fictionally creative, and I think that brings a lot of things. What I do think City of Mist brings really brings new to the table is that the attributes you use to enhance your actions are based off of essentially who you are as a character and you build that character based off of essentially statements um, of what your character is or does. And I think that is a really creative system unto itself that um, I think City of Mist popularized. I think there's some other um, one shots or very small campaigns that um, do this, but I think City of Mist actually has kind of popularized this in a way um, where you can basically because you have statements that build your character your actions have more of a creative impact what about you way uh, my favorite part of city of mist probably just getting to hang out with my friends <laughs> having a convenient excuse to just all get together and hang out for like three four hours and tell a story together it's great yeah, I thought it was amazing because I think that last time I sat in with you all, I want to say that thing, yeah, you ran like about a little over four hours, but you mm -hmm. got it down to like maybe a little over a two hour episode. I yeah, think. dude, editing God. I'm a God in the editing room. Mm -hmm. So clean. Yeah. Edits are so fucking clean. Yeah, but it was funny because I was re-listening the episode and I just remember, oh yeah, I was pretty buzzed. So I'm like, I'm hearing stuff that I completely must have like spaced out on. Like while I was listening to y'all, so it's just funny. Like, oh yeah, yeah that happened too. So, 
the content we produce is incredibly deep and profound. Every time you listen to it, you'll get something new. You know, it's like looking looking into the, a thousand glittering facets of a diamond. Okay, so let me think. So the fun thing about Son of Oak Studios, they've made not only Cinemist, they've also have two other games they have made. There is the Queers RPG system, which I call a Rainbow Sentai's which is the basically description of it. And then they have a new one that they're going to be releasing soon. The other scape RPG system, which is kind of a city of mist, but in the future. Mm-hmm. So that's like, so I know Dude, that uh, looks at- so cool, by the way, Metro other scape. It looks like an absolutely amazing game. It's city of mist, but even more simple and streamlined. And I'm really excited for it. Yeah, so I know, Adam, you ran the playtest on your show. How was that for you guys running Otherscape? What did y'all think of it? Uh, I like it. Um, Personally, I love future satire. It's one of my favorite things to input in fiction. (laughs) Yeah, me too, dude. I love cyberpunk. Yeah, so NFTs and Bitcoin and, you know, all that stuff, junk. Um, (laughs) It's funny. And also anime is very big on Tokyo Otherscape for obvious reasons. Um. Uh, we had a lot of fun with it, you know, uh, yeah, me and my crew, uh, I'd say we're a lot more of a comedic podcast, um, and I think we're also pretty antagonistic as a group. I mean, again, we're all great friends, and we and we love each other, but um, a lot of our uh, play style is about uh, kind of essentially yelling at each other, um, and uh, but we always laugh at the end of it. Um, I think uh, the other skate playtest is good. We... The rules are not super set in stone, um, and to be fair, we kind of played it more of of uh, our version of City of Mist. I do feel like what they're trying to aim for with uh, Tokyo Otherscape is a much more action-oriented game instead of a more mystery-oriented game. Um, man, I'm here for it. I, I like those types of action-oriented things where I can just pick it up and go. Um, my hope is that they, if they do kind of thin out kind of the the crunchiness um they really hone in on the kind of the tag experience um because that's again my one of my favorite parts about playing this system yeah so i kick-started the other scape campaign like first day and i got access to the codex app and i i like reading some of it i'm not honestly that impressed with it right now i think i'll get a lot more out of it once i get the actual pdf files in and i can actually like read through it i feel like i'll be able to learn it a little better that way uh, the two things that I have issues with, and it's not just with Otherscape, it's with City of Mist as well. Um, well, this one's really Otherscape. I think it's really going to be confusing because you can now have tags for your power tags, which I think may cause some issues when it comes to like if you're allowed to have broad tags or how specific your tags have to be. And the other one is, and I've just always hated this at the start, was your stats is having the pip counters. Mm-hmm. I... I prefer stacking statuses instead of like saying, oh, you have a five and then like two pips or whatever. I uh, So I would could say like someone has like a three stats and then they have like a one and a two stats that are right behind that as well. And then if they got another one stats, those would just stack on top to make a full four status. I prefer doing it that way. Actually, when I first heard about City of Mist, this is how I was uh, taught that this was how it was originally. So at some point they changed it to where it was the pip counter. I don't know what happened with that. But it, but I prefer stacking stasses when it comes to all that stuff. That's been kind of my preferred. But I look forward to uh, definitely. I'm more interested in like the cyberpunk aspect, getting like the cyber enhancements. Like you got the the Kano eye 
or the Jack's Arms kind of deal. That's kind of yeah, what I'm looking dude. forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love those uh, sci-fi high-concept things, like questioning what it even means to be human. Body augmentation, gene editing, I'm here for it. It's awesome. Yeah. So, let me think here. Um, how would you describe your guys' MC styles? Like, if I was to describe mine, I would definitely say I'm more kind of a free-spirited kind of deal. I'm more relaxed and loose on a lot of things. I'm more likely to let something slide if I like it or if it's just funny. I mean, of course, if I have to rail a character in, I can. But for the most part, I'm very open with how the players want to play the game. Because, in my opinion, if they're not having any fun, how am I supposed to be able to have fun? Mm-hmm. My MC style is like Max Lazy. Uh, I try to make my players do everything. So anytime I'm not sure what to do, I'll just be like, hey, uh, why don't you come up with an idea for me? And then they just do that. <laughs> what about you, Adam? Uh, I mean, you guys both play with me, so you guys, I don't know. I think, as much as you like to evaluate I feel like Adam's. I feel like Adam's style is all about having as much fun as possible in the moment. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all about like maximizing uh maximizing the fun in each moment <laughs> i feel like the way our styles are kind of different is well maybe this isn't true but l- tell me what you think about this adam i feel like i'm really like literary and my friends are also really li- literary like we really love deep character analyses and I like did, going yeah. into the thematic resonances of of stuff Mm-hmm. And like long term planning and character arcs and like narrative resonance, stuff like that. Whereas I feel like your style is much more about like, uh, like quick comedy and like fast action and intense drama all happening all at once. Yeah. Uh, I 100% agree. Um, yeah, playing with you, way. Yeah, I, I've noticed uh, a lot of deep thinking. Uh, yeah, even though your parent, your players do things, you do have a deep sense of what is going on in your world in, in almost a broad sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think that's, it's a good strategy for a lot of MCs is actually have a broad sense of your world and how do your players shape that world? How, essentially, how do you make the canvas? You make the canvas, the material, even some of the lines, uh, but your players paint it. Um, so that's what I get out of playing with Way a lot is, uh, is a really, really um, deep sense of... Um, characterization um and yeah uh, at least how i yeah. think yeah i in general i'm really I interested in like logics of systems mm-hmm. and how the world functions yeah whereas i feel like right. you're trying to make a marvel movie you know yeah it's a different it's a different genre <laughs> so how i would describe adam's uh mc styling and i mean no offense or disrespect when i say that it's, it's like i'm a horse with blinders on and adam's the one who's riding me riding the horse and it's like i can i can like i can still like walk around to wherever direction i want to go but if i go too far one way he's gonna rein me back in which was very much so described what happened to me when i was in his game because i was like oh i could go this way i go that way and he's like no get back over here so but i mean there's some players that yeah you may have to do that every now and then so everyone's gonna play differently everyone's gonna mc differently and that's all part of the fun and my as I like to say, usually, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's what's so nice about collaborative storytelling. Everybody brings so much of themselves into it. 
And that actually brings up another idea because y'all were talking about creating the setting. And that reminds me, so there actually is a, so it's funny, it's a tabletop RPG, but the whole purpose of it is to create a world. And I think it's called, uh, there are names more powerful than our own is one of them. There's another one, but I forget the name of it right now. And basically it's like a 3D6 thing where you just roll the dice and you're basically, you're creating the world around you. Uh, and I've heard from different people, like a lot of them like, oh, this, the MC will, the GM will usually create the entire world. Or the players will also have a big hand in helping it. How much would you guys say, when it comes to the world that you all have created in your campaign, is done by, like, between you and the players, what kind of percentage would you say is split on the world building? Um, I would say I do almost no world building by myself. Pretty much everything I do, I talk with my players about. It's a very collaborative process. That's why it's so fun, you know? It's because, like, we're all contributing stuff at all times. It's never a solo endeavor. Uh, by the way, I'm looking... I looked up this game. There are names here more powerful than our own. It looks awesome. Looks very cool. Yeah, there has a sister game to it, which was how I learned about it. And that one, this, the names are powerful. You can download that one for free. I'm sorry, like- did you say Street Magic? That's the one, yes. There was a podcast I listened to where it's all, it's a superhero D&D modern day campaign they've been doing, and they yeah. built a fictional city of Indianapolis using that. So. Dude, that's awesome. I also have a, a world builder RPG game I really like, which is called Microscope. A microscope is ac- absolutely amazing. It's a game of fractal histories where the idea is you have a timeline that has a defined start point and a defined end point. But within that timeline, you can zoom in as much as possible and can create events between two different events as much as you want. So it's not linear. You can, you can explore the full history of the timeline however you want. And my favorite rule in the rule book is a rule called Nuking Atlantis, which is, let's say in your game, there's a beautiful city. There's a metropolis called Atlantis. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves exploring the history of this city. They want more of this city in their lives. The one thing you should absolutely do is just nuke it and de- obliterate it. Just destroy it. Um, erase it from history. And the reason you should do that is because even after you do that, people can just go back and explore it when it was still around. Right? Because it's a fractal pattern. You can just go back and examine it however you want. So, Microscope is really cool. It's a world building, timeline building game. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely gonna check that out. All right, Adam. Uh, world building, world building percentage between you and the players. Uh, so I, I will take. I will say I take an opposite approach of way. I do build the world. Um, I think what is always great is how your players impact the world. Um, so uh, a lot of the a lot of the things that happen throughout at least Second Shot City is kind of through the players' um, actions. And I think that causes chain reactions, which allows you to, um, in terms of a meta perspective, generate a lot more ideas. Um, when you feel like the players impact the world that you make, I think that gives them a lot of joy. Uh, I think also I have a certain type of player in my campaign that doesn't really want to pay a lot of attention to lore and build the world. They just want to live it. And I think that's really important to understand is that what players are you working with um, and, and how much do they want to put into um things like that we always talk off mic about things that can prove it of course 
Um, but in general, uh, I do have to do a lot of the like work on world building. Well, it was also interesting because you picked, you picked a city that always was existed and then just recreated a city of mist style. You, because uh, I love your intro. Uh, we plays a city of mist campaign in a fictionalized version of the city of Boston, Massachusetts. Oh yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and then and then our one shot we did a uh, Memphis, Tennessee, because for that uh, Bass Pro Shop joke. That's what I was about to ask if I could talk about that. A pyramid oh, bass yes, pro please, shop that please. I had never laid eyes on before just blew mm-hmm. my mind seeing that picture. It's like the math does not compute. Yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy building. Uh yeah, I love uh landmarks and cities. I think modern cities have great landmarks that are really underrated, whether it be that local sandwich shop or that uh monument. I think um the modern cities we live in, there's so many things you can do. Who, what culture or country does a great job of this is Japan. I mean, I've known Shibuya like more than ever. And when I visited in real life, I was like, oh, I remember that place in that video game or that place in that video game. I, I think um, I usually stem a lot of my uh, fictional ideas from real life cities. Uh, one, because I think I was inspired to do it from Japanese video games. But I think in general, it's just, it allows you to appreciate the city even more. Oh, yeah. And it's it's funny that way brought up Atlantis because so I don't know if y'all get the, by the districts or not that they have. They're, they have Atlantis as a city of mist district. So that just makes me think, would that be something y'all would run in any of your games at any point just for like a side story or to fit into the story? Because if I remember reading through it, the whole purpose of Atlantis is this brings out a character's mythos and it helps to make it stronger for when they go back out, they can be more powerful than what they were before. Where is this? It's the Atlantis district city of mist. You could get it off their website. No, I didn't know that. Huh? All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if it fits the the general story um, I'd like to tell or the character's story that they want to tell, I think it's great to add on. But I think that's the only reason I'd add it on. Yeah. What about you, Wei? Would you ever be interested in throwing in something like that into your game if it fit? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the City of Mr. Writers, uh, I was talking to Amit about the writers, and they the amount of thought and design that goes into those settings is really cool. He takes a lot of time to represent populations accurately and um, accurately portray the myths of certain regions. Um, so yeah, if if I wasn't already having a, an amazing time making stuff with um, my friends, I would definitely run those settings. Yeah, I think one of my favorite side districts they've released is the one of Independence, which is supposed to be kind of like the low impoverished uh, people of color area of the city. But it's got such this life to it. But then they're dealing with all this corruption and political power that's kind of like trying to move in on them. And so they actually has a case that kind of ties into it where you have to like take it out. And then there's a character there. She's the Rift of Harriet Tubman, which is really cool. And then there's another, there's a creature in there. I forget what its rift is, but it's got a big part that plays in it too. So that's something where I, that's one of the things where I would want to make sure, like, because of course y'all could see I am pale as a ghost. That is definitely something I do not want to mess up on if I, if the players are okay with me running something like that. So, because I've had people come to me 
especially when it comes to the pre-generated character Bassett, I've had people come to me be like, I'm not comfortable uh, running this character because I don't want to like misrepresent her in any way. So can we like reskin her to be a completely different person, but still keep the same tags? And I'm like, if you feel that's what you think you need to do, I'm perfectly fine with that because I don't want to make people have to do something that they don't want to do. It's like, I'm not having fun if you're not having fun, as I've said. So that's definitely been a big thing. And I know for Otherscape, there was a whole thing in on the chat because I know he got, I think Amit got like several, uh, I want to I don't want to mess up the wording on this, uh, Asian-oriented uh, people to help with the creation of the, especially the Tokyo Otherscape book. He had several people that helped out with that. So, because he wanted to make sure he got it right as well. I remember that conversation happening on the Discord at one point. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Right. Uh, yeah, like, I guess, if you want to tell the stories of a certain region, it's probably good to get people from that region because they're going to be able to tell those stories the best, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like Amit does a really good job of that. Yeah. I'm one of those guys where it's like, if you can access the internet and you're getting it from a variable source, I have no issues with that. But I will agree with the fact that, yeah, you won't usually will want some, if you want like high quality information about it, get it from someone who's lived it, experienced it, that kind of stuff. So, but it's so much, it's so easy what you can do with technology these days, though, at the same time. So, I give that kind of the buffer. So, yeah, dude, we're best at telling stories um, we've grew up around, oh, part of our culture and tradition. Yeah. Were you about to say Perfect. something, Adam? Yeah. I mean, on that comment, like, the reason why I put it in Boston is because I just moved to Boston. Yeah. The reason why Second Shot City takes place in Boston is because I wanted to explore more of the city and appreciate it a little bit more. Um, and it did, it worked really well, actually. Uh, you know, um, as we started to put more different types, I mean, again, we weren't super accurate, but, um, as we put a little bit more of the different types of things around Boston, it allowed me to really appreciate the city a lot. Um, and I think great stories revolve around that with your kind of comment on that district, for instance, there's a lot of, like every city has this unique problem with homelessness or crime or, um you know just general politics and i think that's um those itself are really really great landmines when it comes to stories if you choose to make your um story in a fictional or in a real place yeah well why one shot that i'm working on next february actually is kind of dealing with that is dealing so what happens is the players are summoned by the avatar of cleopatra to eliminate the rift of Caesar, who is currently a corrupt police chief and is partially the main reason for all the police corruption that's been happening in the city. So that's kind of a, so that's good. So their idea, that's partially why they're breaking into the police station is they got to get rid of this guy now to try to get rid yeah, of all dude. this bad stuff happening. Sounds good. And I, police. And I figure what would make more of a perfect kind of a police, corrupt police uh, chief than the, the once be tyrant that was Caesar at one point. So I thought that was interesting, just kind of how that can be. And I actually used the city and miss case generator to come up with that case, which was interesting too. Nice. Cool. Right. Uh, so I don't really have any other questions right now, but I would like to do one more thing before we decide to head out of here. A little section I'm going to call the hot seats. All right. Let me hear what y'all's opinions of the current OGL drama happening with Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons. 
Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro are terrible, terrible companies, and you should stop playing D&D. It's not a good game. Uh, I don't like it when products win because they have brand dominance, and I would much prefer people play games that are actually good. <sighs> what about you, Adam? Um, I mean, Hasbro is doing what a big, giant mega corporation should do, is to get more market share and profits. I work in a lot of startups, so uh, I understand their point of view. Um, but I think everyone has a choice to choose a different type of game. And as you've learned from this podcast, there are so many games out there that are so underappreciated. I think even City of Mist is super underappreciated. It's such a small community, I've noticed. Yeah, for sure. Um, very underrated. Um, Blades in the Dark, also the same thing. I think it's a little bit bigger than City of Mist. Uh, yeah. Dude, yeah. did you know there was a uh, cyberpunk version of Blades in the Dark? Uh, I, I just played the Star Wars version. Uh, but <laughs> Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll look into the Cyberpunk one, though. Yeah, dude, uh, Hack the called? Planet. Hack the Hack Planet, planet. Okay, is okay. really good, too. Yeah, oh, okay. Check that yeah, out. I'm looking for a new Cyberpunk one. I, I, I can't handle Shadowrun, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I fell that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's plenty of games out there. I think what's great about this controversy is that it's telling people to explore more games. I think people who are going to find Pathfinder, for instance... Uh, depending if they like the more technical stuff, I think we'll really like it. If they don't like it, I think they might drag to more of a dungeon world or something like that. Um, so I think it's um, I think it's good for the ecosystem that this happened um, because it allows because these types of events allow smaller players to flourish. Yeah, uh, my whole yeah. thing when I started. So it was weird when I started when I built my started building my uh, kind of my platform for Mysteries Unknown. I immediately got thrown into the D&D podcast side of the TTRPG community and started interacting with them. And that's how it came to me getting to run one-shots for D&D players on my, on my podcast currently. And so, I, and so when this all started up, I'm like, I, first of all, I didn't even know that of all this OGL stuff about the, the dragons at first. So I had to like actually look into this and read the articles, figure out what it was and all that. And I came out at first with the idea of I'm going to wait this out, see what happens. I'm not going to hold, I'm not going to get mad or anything about it, especially since I didn't have anything to do with Dungeons and Dragons at the time. The thing that was the final straw for me was the leak that was released of Watch C firing employees for difference of opinions about how to handle Dungeons and Dragons and how to handle community. Yeah, dude. Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro are absolutely terrible. Yeah, so that I was. I f- don't want to think about them anymore, and I don't want to play their games. Yeah, so that was the final straw for me, and I told, and I said on my platform that I would no longer run, I would not, I would not in good conscience run D and D on my podcast. However, I am not going to hold, I'm not going to get mad or hold accountable anyone who still decides to play the game because the players should not be blamed, should not be punished for a bad company's decisions. So I still listen to plenty of podcasts that still choose to run D&D for the time being. There's a lot that are still working on possibly moving away, depending on how things like that superhero D&D podcast I was talking about. They're going to move on to the uh, Powered by Apocalypse game called Masks. 
Yeah, which is all yeah, superheroes. Cool. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I hate it when people reskin D and D games, and they could just find a different system that really suits it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my personal pet peeve. And then I know another one that's been coming around. Uh, there's one called Morkborg that's out there. Yes, that's I've heard it's one. really good. Yeah. Oh, the Discord, Discworld. Nice. Uh, no, Morkborg is more of like a darkest dungeon. Yeah, like there's no saving you now, kind of deal. Oh, I was thinking of Ankh Morpork. <laughs> no, yeah. it's Morkborg, and I think uh, the DM Dave is actually working on ga- a game system to work with the Morkborg mechanics. Dude, which that's is so what- funny that I thought it was Discworld. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I, I've heard a lot about it. I haven't played it. Um, I heard it's pretty simple and pretty brutal. I got the PDF, so I'm just I'm, I always study stuff before I run it, so I will make sure I'm doing it right. So, so also really quick, I'm curious to hear your honest opinions about this. So I, like I said, I've listened to you guys pretty regularly. Y'all been doing such a great job with the games you're running, the players that you have, the chaos that they bring, which adds just to the fun and excitement of the stories. Because for me, when it comes in RP to any tabletop game, it's about the story. And if, because like I, there's been like a handful of podcasts where I've tried to get into it. Like after like a couple episodes, I'm like, uh, uh-uh, there's nothing to this. I just can't listen to it. There's no story. Where's the mm. meat for me to get onto. Mm-hmm. So mm. that's so part of so your guys' stories alone or what keep me also listening to you besides like all the player interactions and all that. That's very flattering. I, Thank you. What has yeah, your guys' appreciate that. I'm pretty sure neither of you have listened to Mysteries Unknown, or I don't expect you to have, but if you have, I'm curious just to hear like your thoughts about how I've been so far as like only like just the baby podcast of the City of Mist podcast, as I say. I mean, if you have 60 listeners, you're way bigger than we are. <laughs> you dwarf us. Um... I've only listened to maybe ten minutes of it. I, I have a very short attention span too, so it's very, I, it's very hard for me to stick. I only actually stick to one story-driven podcast, and that's Dungeons and Daddies. Um, so <laughs> that's <laughs> like great. Fine. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and I try to listen a little bit of ways, but uh, yeah, I just haven't had the time to finish all of it. Um, yeah, that's kind of been the thing too with a lot of podcasts is how many. How or do you catch people's attention? Because there are some people that do like thirty-minute shows, but you can only fit so much in a window. Like for me, I'm like I find hour, hour and a half for like a tabletop episode is almost perfectly fine. Two hours if you have to push it. Like the longest one I did was my Christmas one shot was almost was maybe a little over three hours, but I had so much that was going on with that though that it's like it wasn't something I could just split into two episodes. I had to let it all just flow. And if y'all can, and I'm not blaming you at all, Adam. I completely understand short attention span thing. I have that of a bird sometimes, depending on the day. But other than that, and I would never say way that I'm bigger than you guys. You guys have been around for so much longer than I have. Y'all have done so much more. I mean, you you guys are the ones on the Sea of Mist website, not me. So I say that says more about you than it does for me. Hey, I oh, mean, everyone has their own uh, way of being big, right? So, um, yeah, it really does depend on who, like, how your listeners uh, really react to your content. I mean, I think, Hunter, we got to give you credit that you put us on this show because you're a fan. I think that really 
at least for me, I don't know. I can't speak for way. Um, that really does mean a lot. <laughs> yeah, dude. I really appreciate uh, you inviting me to be on your show. It's really yeah. cool. I, I love just... having the opportunity to talk about my game. Yeah, I just, this was something I've wanted to do for a while because I wanted to do kind of something a little off the side from City of Mist. I just wanted to just bring other people that I enjoy listening to or people that are popular, just bring them here. We all just talk and we get to know more about each other kind of deal. So, cause, so up front, this is actually going to be the second episode of the Behind the Mist because the first one is my interview that I'm doing with Kevin Carpenter uh, tomorrow. Well, of course, I he gets recording. Yeah. Of course, he gets to the top spot. No, that makes, <laughs> sense. That makes sense. Why? But nice. this, but I'm because I'm using him for more like because I want to bring him on with the more ideas. Tell let's tell everyone what is City a Mist because he's actually worked with them and all that. He's done a lot of promotion for them, so he would be like my go-to guy for if you were to meet someone who never played City of Mist or heard about it before. What would you say about it? Kind of deal. Hmm. So makes sense. Yep. So th- I'm really glad I got to do this with you guys. This was really fun, just getting to shoot back and forth about our experiences and how we play and all that. And hopefully we'll get to may- maybe another day in a couple years, we'll come back on again and we'll talk about all that we've done so far. Yeah, dude. So yeah, you're that'd, huge. Be, that'd be great. Oh, actually, that would make a good final, 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 final question. Okay. What's, y'all's, what's, the, what's the plans for 2023 for you guys? Ooh. Dude, I'm getting really into dance. I want to become a dancer. Um, I'm also trying to get more involved in local politics. I want to try to do more uh, locally, uh, like go to city council meetings and stuff like that. Nice. And well, but and for here's what you missed. Any plan future plans with them? Uh, plans for the podcast. Um, no, I don't really have any big plans for the podcast. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. All right. Adam. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you have something to say, Way? Or nope. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so for Second Shot City, we have all the episodes done. So I'm just going to launch those. It's about ten more or twelve more left, I'd say. So it'll take half a year. Can't believe it. Um, <laughs> I am going to start getting more involved in the City of Mist community. I, I think doing these uh, MC Jam sessions are really helpful for me, and I think it helps me understand the community a lot. Uh, it also tells me that there's a there's a lack of games, and there's a lack of people wanting to take initiative of making games. And I really want to understand, like, or I, I want to alleviate people's fears of DMing or feeling uncomfortable with anything like that. So I'm going to try to do more of these MC Jam sessions. Um, just, you know, for one, to get MCs a break and have them use their creative talents as players and understand how that works in the whole gaming world. Because I think being a player tells you a lot about being an MC. Um, and I also think getting players to join a game, just learning how at least the tag system works, I think is... Um, it, it makes people a lot more comfortable starting a game. I've done a couple of these. Uh, once people did that, they they were more comfortable joining other games, and I think that for me, that's really rewarding. Uh, personally, um, I don't know. You can Google Adam Yee; you'll find a lot. But that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, was Adam there anything else you want to add, man? No, I'm good. All right. So, like I said, for mysteries unknown, I'm doing currently a, a one shot every month currently at the moment i got up until may 
currently. Um, one of the other actual ones I'm doing is I'm doing the Power Rangers RPG, and I'm going to be doing that. And I think that's the one I got planned for me. I got three people. We're doing a Time Force uh, Ranger game one shot. So I'm because that was one of my favorite seasons growing up. So we're going to be doing that. Um, still working on the Call of Cthulhu. That's going to be a one shot that I'm doing. There's with a, another podcast. It's a couple that do a Bioshock lore series going mm. into all the people on that. So that really got me into that. And then just other City Myths one shots. And who, who knows what else we're going to be doing this year? Uh, I actually did. I need to post uh, the. I need to post a case in the uh, Discord server because I was wanting to get another case going for the podcast. So I just have those episodes for when I have the downtime to re- edit and record. But I keep putting mm-hmm. it off. So Adam, you're putting me on the spot, and I thank you for that. That I need to do that. So yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> the best right. thing about cre- creative is, creativity is all great, but if you don't ship anything, then what's the point? That that's a harsh view of creativity, but um, I, that's what I live with. Do either of you have any final words you want to say before we actually, actually close this out? Um, Anything you want to plug, social media where we can find you, anything of the sort? I'm not good at this at all. Uh, (laughs) If you want to listen to more about Second Shot City, um, you know, find us. Uh, I don't even know how you find us. Um, you can g- type it on Spotify, Second Shot City, or Apple Podcast. Um, you know, I'll just say the simple: give us a five star review if you like it. Uh, if you don't like it, don't give us any review. Um, and yeah, but I think you know, City of Mist is a great game. I hope that uh, you can teach someone how to play this game. I think that's how you can kind of spread how great this game is. Uh, you could check out my blog wayright.blogspot.com w-e-i-r-i-g-h-t dot blogspot.com alright and as always me, you can find my Instagram uh, mistunkpodcast m-i-s-t-u-n-k podcast on Instagram and I am now available I got Spotify, Google, Apple Pandora, uh, TuneIn just Pretty much anywhere that you can listen to a podcast, that's where you can now find Mysteries Unknown. I'm actually currently working on a YouTube channel as well to re-upload the episodes onto as well, because I've been seeing a lot of people are actually moving towards YouTube for a lot of podcast listening too. So I'm working on uploading the audio onto there as well. So I forgot th- I forgot I did forget one more thing, but I'll let you finish. That go ahead. I was going about to close it out, but you go ahead and say what you want to say real quick. Yeah, yeah, one more thing. You can find me on the City of Mist Discord. Um, generally, I have a game under Find a Game. I don't know when that if that function will survive, but we'll see. Um, but I generally host something called MC Jam sessions. I'm trying to do them uh, tw- once or twice a month. Yeah. Dude, I want to join in that, Adam. Oh yeah, yeah, I'd do Dude, one I'd of love those. It. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'd love you to volunteer being an MC. I've been doing the last three. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd do it. Great. Awesome. Yeah, and I was fun. I had fun with it too when we did it today. So definitely, well, as the day of this recording, it was we yeah. did it today. So because this is going to be put out later. So, mm. but yeah, I'm usually always on Discord too at CMS Discord and a couple other uh, tabletop RPG community Discord servers. So if you just look for Mist Unk MC, M I S T U N K M C. That's me, and my podcast logo will actually be the profile picture, so I'm easy to see. So once again, Way and Adam, thank you guys for coming on here. I'm glad we got to do this, and like, hopefully we all have a great 2023, and we'll see where these shows take us.
Yeah, great. Yep. Thanks so much. Bye.